Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Melanie C., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, November 9th, 2017, and this is a 10 a.m. Eastern Time meeting of a Vision for You. Today we are reading from the Big Book, and we are on page XVI, reading two paragraphs today, starting with prior to his journey. That's paragraph one and paragraph two. Today's readers are the 12 Steps, She'll Be, the 12 Traditions, Peggy M, and reading the text today, Jody E.Q., Gina R., and Kathy Joe P. The reference numbers. The reference number for yesterday's 10 a.m. Eastern Time meeting, that would be Wednesday, November 8th, is 10651, 10,651. And for the 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting today, Thursday, November 9th, that number is, it's a share ID, is 10652, 10,652. The OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Sheil B. to read the 12 steps. Hello. Good morning. This is Sheil B. from New Hampshire, uh, page 59 of the big book. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, stopped through prayer and meditation 
to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you all that. Thank you, Sheila B. I will now ask Peggy M. to please read the 12 traditions. Good morning. Peggy M., a recovered compulsive overeater from Illinois. The 12 traditions. Number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Number two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every AA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10. Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relation policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for letting me be at service today. Thank you, Peggy M. Appreciate that. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share. But we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and the literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. 
Today we resume our study of the big book on page XVI, starting with paragraph one, reading through two paragraphs, and that begins as prior to his journey. And I will ask Jody EQ to begin our reading and discussion. Good morning, Jody. Good morning, Melanie, and good morning, everybody. This is Jody EQ, gratefully recovered in California. Prior to his journey to Akron, the broker had worked hard with many alcoholics on the theory that only an alcoholic could help an alcoholic, but he had succeeded only in keeping sober himself. The broker had gone to Akron on a business venture which had collapsed, leaving him greatly in fear that he might start drinking again. He suddenly realized that in order to save himself, he must carry his message to another alcoholic. That alcoholic turned out to be the Akron physician. This physician had repeatedly tried spiritual means to resolve his alcoholic dilemma, but had failed. But when the broker gave him Dr. Silkworth's description of alcoholism and its hopelessness, the physician began to pursue the spiritual remedy for his malady with a willingness he had never before been able to muster. He sobered, never to drink again up to the moment of his death in 1950. This seemed to prove that one alcoholic could affect another as no non-alcoholic could. It also indicated that strenuous work one alcoholic with another was vital to permanent recovery. So these are really interesting paragraphs. Uh, the first one is primarily about uh, our, our number one founder, Bill Wilson, the uh, New York stockbroker. And the second paragraph is principally about Dr. Bob, uh, the other co-founder. And so looking at the first paragraph, uh, Bill had gone to Akron for a business venture, which failed, and he was afraid of drinking again. Now, he had been working with alcoholics hard. He had been working hard, and he hadn't been able to sober any of them. But as his wife, Lois, said to him when he complained to her that it wasn't working, she said, yes, it is working, Bill, because you are sober. So it was working for him, but he had not yet sobered up anybody else. So he meets Dr. Bob because he knows he must continue to work with others. He finds Dr. Bob in Akron. And, and Bob was someone who had tried spiritual means to solve his alcoholic dilemma. In fact, if, if what I hear is that he had used the Oxford group, which had the same basic principles that the 12 steps had. So why had he failed? Well, this paragraph is telling me that he had failed because he did not know the, uh, the nature of alcoholism and its hopelessness. And maybe he was thinking, well, you know, it, maybe I can have, maybe I can drink moderately. Maybe if I work these tenets of the Oxford groups, I can drink like a normal person. 
Maybe he didn't realize that he had to abstain entirely. For whatever reason, he became willing to abstain entirely from alcohol and to work the 12 steps and to practice the principles of the Oxford group. So, so he, he, the allergy of the body was added to, to the spiritual program that he had been trying to work and had failed at because perhaps he wasn't, didn't realize the exact nature of his physical disease that he had to abstain entirely. That's what I suspect. I don't know for sure, but that's what I suspect. So he did sober, never to drink again. This seemed to prove, again, that one alcoholic could affect another as no non-alcoholic could. It also indicated that strenuous work, one alcoholic with another, was vital to permanent recovery. So just as Bill strenuously was working with others, including Dr. Bob, so would Dr. Bob go on to work strenuously, strenuously. So anyway, very interesting paragraphs, and with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you so much. We are unpacking paragraphs one and two on page XVI in the big book, forward to the second edition. Who would like to comment on those paragraphs? Ruth Gina R. Gina R. Reggie O. Okay, we'll go with that too. Okay, this is what I have so far. Ruth, Gina, Reggie, Lynn, Kathleen, and Sherry. Anybody else? Marin from Los Angeles. Marin. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Anybody else? I think we got it. Good. Ruth, Gina, Reggie, Lynn, Kathleen, Sherry, and Marin. Good morning, Ruth. Good morning. Um, Ruth and I um, am fairly new in recovery, Um, working the steps with a recovered sponsor. Um, What sticks out here for me is um, the part that says he suddenly realized that in order to save himself, he must carry his message to another compulsive overeater. Another alcoholic. I gotta remember to use the language in the book. I'm sorry, but um, that stuck out for me because um, I what I realized is that um, helping someone else gets me outside of myself, and um, this is what you know. I have to get um, when when I reach out and help someone else with this with this program as much as I know about it, I don't want to pick up that bite because I struggle with compulsively overeating. And I haven't done so for a while. I've been reaching out to um, others, making phone calls to newcomers, making phone calls, staying on meetings every day. And um, also the I think what the spiritual part of it is that um, – helping another sick and suffering person or helping another person um compulsive overeater or alcoholic is is the you know is what you have to do 
and in um cuz like I said I don't know a lot about this because I'm fairly new. I'm still reading, you know, and learning, but I know that I am a, a low bottom compulsive overeater. I know that I have an obsession of the mind and I know that once I take that bite, I will um the allergy will stir up. And then I'm off and running and out of control. And when I reach out and do something for someone else, and mostly what I've been doing is um, making phone calls, trying to support um, other people in this program that that um, are sick and suffering or need or need um, um, that support. Um, at that point or need help, when I do that, um, it takes me outside of myself and I don't want to eat. And, uh, you know, that's that's why that line stuck out for me. He suddenly realized that in order to save himself, he must carry his message to another alcoholic. And that's what I believe, carry the message. Um, and thanks for being patient with me. <laughs> And I pass. Thank you, Ruth M. Gina R., you're next, and then Reggie will come up after. Thank you so much, Mel. This is Gina R., gratefully recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body in Green Valley, Arizona. I'm um, focusing on that sentence uh, that's just preceded the one the sharer before me had. The broker had gone to Akron on a business venture which had collapsed leaving him greatly in fear that he might start drinking again. Um, For so many years, I um, was of the mindset, and this is from a perspective of believing in God, um, that it was only through um, the perception that I was being blessed or given things that were material that those were the, the real answers to my prayers. And I know in, um, because I know Bill W's story, that that was um, kind of his mindset as well. Whenever he had something that failed, he would muster up his own strength, his own intellect, and just press in and try and force, to make, and force it to happen again. And, but in this instance, um, he didn't. That was not his default. Um, at some level, he was able to, um, and I think that sudden realization that he had was his higher power um, giving him that intuitive thought and that knowing that this was not the same game that he had been playing all of his life. And I am very grateful to say that that has happened for me. Um, in my own experience and in my own life, I can now look back and say I had great failures. And those were exactly what needed to happen in order for me to really wake up um, to this message. Because when everything was going, quote, unquote, okay, I didn't need God, I really didn't need you. And now I understand that no matter what happens, whether it's a failure or a quote-unquote success, 
it's all for my learning. It's all happening for me. It's not happening to me. If I choose to do what Bill W. did here and take it to that next step and carry the message to another alcoholic, then I will retain the sanity that step two promises me where I came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore me to sanity. And I'm so very grateful um, that that is my reality for today. And I look forward to carrying the message today. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Gina R. Reggie O, you're next. And then Lynn P will come after. Hey, good morning, Melanie. Thanks for your service. And everyone who's on the phone today, this is Reggie O, uh, gratefully recovered in the Los Angeles area. And uh, this first paragraph is really very powerful for me uh, in reading it, reading it this morning and hearing everybody share and love, love the shares. Um, the, the first part of it is the broker had worked hard with many uh, alcoholics on the theory that only an alcoholic could help an alcoholic, but he had only succeeded uh, in keeping sober himself. And well, that's no small thing to keep sober for an alcoholic, you know, or to keep abstinence for a compulsive overeater. But what strikes me is that he didn't know at that point that he had to do that in order to remain sober. And so he was working with he was working with alcoholics uh, because he thought no he he had come to look, uh, somehow know that only an alcoholic could help another alcoholic. So he was doing it very altruistically. He was really going in the spirit of helping other alcoholics. And I, I, I find that really um, very heartwarming. And it was, uh, it was when he then was in Akron and, and I had a, a very hopeful, optimistic bu- uh, business deal uh, collapse that he was in such fear of drinking. And it came to him, as someone said, you know, probably divinely inspired that I must help. You know, I, not only do I want to help, not only do I know I'm the only one who can help another alcoholic, but I must do that in order to um, in order to stay uh, in order to stay sober. You know, and that and that carry the message. He must carry the message to another alcoholic. That's the primary purpose of our program is to carry the message. So it just it speaks to me uh, and is very heartwarming that it we it's done both altruistically and that it was done first altruistically, and then it was discovered that it is a must as well. So it's a beautiful combination. And uh, and then the fact too about trying spiritual means. I've tried spiritual means, a lot of different ones. Uh, to keep my, you know, to keep my compulsive eating at bay, and they never worked. And I, and the grave nature of alcoholism was, you know, spoken of yesterday in the reading yesterday. And I, 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 I was in program for a long time until many, many years, uh, until a year ago this past August when I came into uh, a vision for you that I actually came to learn the grave nature of this, uh, you know, of, of this disease, this ism, you know, alcoholism or compulsive overeating. And that really turns around this spiritual work in a way. And I, you know, I don't have a description for it right now, uh, or, but I, you know, I know it, I experience it. And I think that's what's important as we all do. So very, very, very beautiful, powerful reading this morning. And uh, with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Reggie O. Lynn P., you're next. Kathleen O., you'll be after. This is Lynn P., calling from sunny Southern California from my hot tub. And basically, I love this because it points out that Bill, he knew intuitively, you know, after a collapsed business deal, that he would run to his addiction. And But what he had was he had empirical knowledge of helping others kept him sober. And for once, instead of going to the default, which is run to the addiction, 
he said, you know what, I'm going to run to help others. And this uh, coincides with what Bob later would say, really, or write in a prescription to alcoholics. And basically, it was six words. It was one, find God, two, clean house, and three, help others, three being helping others. And, you know, I'm thinking about why, you know, one uh, alcoholic is uniquely qualified to helping another alcoholic. And I, I could think back to my dieting days where I went many times to these medical diets. And one of them in particular, which was very expensive, in order to get the stuff, you know, the, the uh, food that I was supposed to eat, I had to sit through a lecture. And I, I remember this. You know, here I am. I'm over 450 pounds. And I'm listening to this 22-year-old woman who might weigh 110 pounds soaking wet. And she's talking about how wonderful it would be uh, from a health perspective to be, you know, fit and thin and, and how she was saying how wonderful her life was. And I'm looking at her and I'm looking at myself and looking at all the other folks in this program who are, you know, well in their three and 400 pounds and thinking, this girl has not walked in my boots. She has no idea what it's like to be over 450 pounds. She has no idea what it's like to break, um, you know, uh, seats and not fit into airplane seats and to not uh, be able to drive a car or fit into a booth at a restaurant. You know, she's never been shamed like this. And, and I'm thinking, wow, you know, you know, she doesn't understand where I come from. And yet, when I finally got this thing, um, you know, it was a man who was over 500 pounds who you know, got down to just a little over 200. And the fact that he understood what it was like to be morbidly obese like me, you know, that's, that's what makes us uniquely qualified to help the next, you know, because we've been through this shit. And basically, bottom line is, um, you know, uh, it's necessary for people to have experienced this. You know, frothy emotional appeal never works from normies to us, but when one compulsive eater talks to another, there's depth and weight. And, uh, and that's what I'm um, absolutely grateful for, that I uh, found that person years ago and that I'm in this group today in Vision for You. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Lynn. Kathleen O, you're next. And Sherry KB will be on deck. Good morning. Thank you, Melanie. This is Kathleen O, recovered in California. So this first paragraph, I love it. It's where all this started and and it's really why we're all here on this line together this morning so um bill wilson and dr bob dr bob they were they were introduced actually by um, um henrietta cyberling at her home and dr bob she was part of the oxford group she wasn't a, an alcoholic but dr bob was and you know he had this drinking problem he was trying to to um, lick it and she was trying to help him and, and it, you know, the, the, the God thing wasn't really working for him and, um, because he had tried it. And, and I, I heard a, um, a tape between her and her. Um, it's a recorded tape that was made back in, well, I don't remember when. She was about 83 years old. And, um, and she said she had this kind of revelation, and she called Dr. Bob, and she said, she goes, you know, I, I was, you know, praying and I, I, I got this message and, he, you know, to, 
um, what you need to do. And, and he's, and I don't know, I'm, this is not verbatim, but, and, and, and she, and he, and he said, what, you know, and she said, never drink again. And he was like disappointed because that's like telling us just don't, you know, eat less. I mean, we've all heard it all, what we should be doing and, and it just doesn't work. So, so anyway, she actually introduced these two and, um, and Bill W. started talking to Dr. Bob about, you know, Dr. Silkworth's um, message about that this was a disease and, and, and that really made Dr. Bob light up because he's like, you know, oh, there's some kind of treatment for this, this might work. So, and then Ebby, of course, you know, bringing in the part about, and I, I, my understanding is that neither of them were really, um, they didn't, neither of them had much faith in the traditional religious God. So, um, you know, Ebby was a, was a big part in that because he said, you don't have to believe in God. You don't have to admit, you just have to admit you're not God and, you know, use whatever you believe in. And um, so, you know, and the part about um, carrying this message that we must carry this message in addiction, there there's danger in isolation and there's healing and mutual connection. And, you know, medical research has suggested that isolation is actually, actually has detrimental effects on the immune system and that connection can stimulate it, which is why we have support groups for, you know, patients with cancer, PTSD. And, and, and it's the same theory here, you know, it's like it's, it, it'll kill us if we isolate, but if we work with other people, we're, we're, I'm, you know, if I, if I work with another compulsive overeater, I'm not only going to help that other compulsive eater, but I'm going to help, I'm going to help myself. And, you know, like Bill W. said that is, you know, he said that, um, that only, the only thing that could keep a drunk sober was telling a story to another drunk. So carrying this message, working the steps, Hi. having a reliance on a higher power, we get, we get relief from this a day at a time. And thank you, Melanie. I pass. You're welcome. Thank you, Kathleen O. Sherry KB, and then Marin, you'll be after Sherry. Good morning, Good morning, Melanie. Good morning, everybody. This is Sherry KB in Northern California, Grateful Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Um, thank you so much for your service, Melanie, and all that you do and everyone on the line. And uh, welcome to newcomers. And um, I'm just going to jump right in here. Um, you know, what was said is I think about, you know, this this disease that I had was the disease of loneliness that I treated with isolation. And what it's telling me here is that part of my treatment to stay recovered is to work with other compulsive overeaters. And, you know, here's the story in the beginning about Bill, who's, you know, when he first meets Bob due to the fact that he had had a, a, a setback and he needed to help another alcoholic. And so in order for him to stay sober, so it says he must carry his message to another alcoholic. And the alcoholic happened to turn out to be uh, Dr. Bob. And, you know, here it's saying, too, that, you know, Dr. Silkworth gave us a, the description of what a compulsive overeater is like and its hopelessness and that, here, you know, here's the physician who didn't know this, and and Bill carries this message to Bob about the depth and weight of that it's a twofold illness, a physical allergy of the body and a mental obsession of the mind, and that you know that only a spiritual remedy is going to uh, be the solution for a spiritual malady, um, and so he could never do that before. So it's telling me I can't do this. You know, I can't do this alone. I can't I can't stay abstinent without my higher power. I can't stay abstinent without these steps. I can't stay abstinent without working with others. And you know, this is a 12-step program. It's not a 11-step program, and this is a lot about 12 the 12 steps. It's about carrying this message and that how important it is for me 
to um, it takes strenuous work for me in order to stay abstinent and stay recovered, and it's only, and it says at the end here, vital to permanent recovery. So it's telling me this is my life support here. If I want to continue staying recovered and being abstinent happily, um, I have got to work with others and be of service. And uh, I'm so grateful to my higher power. And I know that, you know, you can do this too, that you can actually be abstinent happily. Happily. What a difference. Thank God for the 12 steps and the higher power. With that, I pass. Thank you, Sherry KB. Marin, you're next, and then we'll open it up again for a few more. Good morning. Good morning, Marin from Los Angeles. Thank you, Melanie. Thank you, everyone who has shared. Um, I love this book, the big book. It's my Bible. It tells me exactly how to live, and it tells me how to live with my disease. I'm a 60-pound anorexic before I got abstinent, and I was a a 10-time-a-day bulimic, and I'm a compulsive overeater for sure. Um, I, when I first came to Los Angeles, I had been in eight different hospitals and I could not get abstinent. My sponsor at the time that I met out here read the big book with me and I immediately had a spiritual experience. Um, the physician, so forth, his, his, his letter, uh, it says everything about uh, alcoholism and eating and problems with our disease. And I just want to say that what my sponsor did was take me and help me by doing what they talk about here about finding someone to help. Well, the person that came and helped me saved me from dying. So this is a killer disease. Uh, it almost killed me. I'm now 23 years abstinent, but without this program, I would have died. So spreading the message like um, was talked about in the book is vital, and um, helping others is vital, not only for us to stay abstinent, but to help others from a potential death. And... um, I just want to thank everybody in OA because you all have helped me so much over the years. And um, also, I tried spiritual means. I mean, I've tried everything, but the one thing I know for sure is if I go to an OA meeting or I work the tools or I look for someone to help, I'm definitely in, in a better fit spiritual condition. So thanks for letting me show. Thank you, Marin. The line is now open for probably four, maybe five more people to comment on page XVI, paragraph one and two, prior to his journey to Akron is where we started, who would like to comment their experience, strength, and hope on those two paragraphs. Marge N. Marge N. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Millie D. Millie D. Gail D. Gail I'm hearing something very, very faint, but if you maybe could adjust your line, I can catch your name. Rita S. Hi, Rita. Maybe some adjustments. Really quiet, madam. Hi, Hoodie. Got you. Don't want to miss your share. Okay, let's go with that. Marge N., Millie D., Gail D., Rita S., and Hoodie R. Good morning, Marge. Good morning, everyone. I'm a compulsive reader in... Portland, Oregon, and um, 
I have to say, this is my third live meeting that I've attended because you suggested to me, Melanie. And I'm finding that there is a big difference between recorded and live. But anyway, since I started working <clears throat> with my sponsor on the big book, and the more I study it, and the more I'm willing to get out and help another person to work through my fear of, oh, I'm not enough, etc., um, I get more excited about this program and what this big book is teaching me and learning that I need to be entirely abstinent and that um, my spiritual relationship with my higher power is the most important thing to me. And so I just wanted to claim my feet and say that I'm just so grateful that I found a vision for you. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Marge N. Glad you're here. Millie D., you're next, and then Gail will come up after you. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. This is Millie D., uh, recovered in Southern California. And the thing that really gets um, speaks to me and is the second paragraph. Um, the message that Dr. Silkworth gave changed my life. It changed my life. I, I had gained and lost 100 pounds several times, and um, I could never keep it off. And when I got the message through another compulsive overeater about Dr. Silkworth's message, message it, it definitely changed my life. And, <clears throat> um, you know, you cannot transmit something you do not have. And I found a sponsor that had kept her weight off for a long, long time. And that's what I needed. That's what I wanted. She had, start, she had started diet pills when she was nine years old, and so had I. And our stories just kind of uh, clicked. And she had been absent for years. And in doing so, you know, as soon as I did the work, she said, okay, now you sponsor. And I'm like, well, I'm not qualified to sponsor. And she's like, yes, you are. You are qualified, and if you want to stay abstinent, you know, she said, when I, in order to stay abstinent, this is what I had to do. And nothing has helped me more than working with another compulsive overeater. It's, it has been vital to my recovery. I've been abstinent for um, over 15 years, and that's a miracle. That's a miracle for me. And um, to recover with another, another compulsive overeater I get to um, tell my story, and they tell me theirs, and it's a give and take. I don't just give to them. They give me far more than I could ever give them. And it, it's just um, so amazing to me the way this works. It keeps me out of isolation to work with someone else. It just, it just is a, it, I've developed friendships that I could never dream that I would have. And so that brings us back to the first paragraph that, you know, working with some, whether somebody stays with me or not, me working with them keeps me food sober. And, and that's, that's what I'm looking for is food sobriety one day at a time for the rest of my life, because I know that this is a fatal disease. So I am so grateful for this book and its messages and the way that this meeting works that we go through a paragraph, you know, a few paragraphs at a time, and we stick to the message of those 
paragraphs, and I, that's vital for me. So thank you for this meeting, and thank you for letting me share. I pass. Thank you, Millie D. Gail D., it's your turn. Then, Rita, you'll be right up after. <coughs> Gail D., star one, please. Well, how about let's go straight to Rita S. Then, Rita, are you ready? And we'll come back to Gail. Star one, please. Hi, this is Rita S. May I be heard? Yes, you can. We'll catch Gail later. Hi, hi, Rita. Hi there. Hi, this is Rita S. from San Francisco Bay Area. Um, gosh, um, I I am newly recovered. Um, and actually, I've I, and 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 a new sponsor now, and I've been working with this gal for about two weeks, and I and this this concept of you know helping others keeps you abstinent. It's amazing how that experience, even as brief as it has been, I get it now. Um, I've been in the twelve step uh, rooms for almost ten years, never sponsored ever because I could never get abstinent enough, didn't have that spiritual connection. And now I get what that means because what I see is that being a sponsor allows me to go back in time to turn off my forgetter machine and relive, you know, by, by sharing my experience, strength, and hope, what it used to be like. Because I, I, for, I forget, I've forgotten what it used to be like to be 240 pounds. And, um, and it's just an amazing thing that, you know, Bob and Bill, you know, figured this out. And this has been, you know, between a, the spiritual connection and helping others, those two things, it's just like the, the perfect duo. It's just amazing. And, but the other thing I do want to say is that part about strenuously working with others, I also have to remember that it's strenuously working, meaning I, I do the effort to, to work with the newcomer. It's not, you know, it may not be convenient. It's a, it's a, um, it's, it's a taxing on my time, but it also, what I also have to remember is not to be strenuous in my delivery because Again, it's a program of attraction rather than promotion. And so I don't want to just like verbal diarrhea them, you know, like and scare people away. I need to give them enough, you know, what they're, what they're ready for in the, um, where they are in their progress. So this person is a newcomer. I can't give her the whole dump everything at once because she needs time to absorb everything. And so it's just, um, you know, it's like, it's like weighing and measuring my sponsoring and, and remembering that the strenuous part applies to me and my program and my, uh, my recovery. And I have to be weighed and measured in my life and my sponsoring, um, you know, in my activities, et cetera. So anyway, with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Rita. I'd like to go back to see if Gail D., are you still there? Take your time. Okay, this is Gail. Hi, Gail. Yeah, I'm from Northern California. I'm really grateful for this meeting. It's a great way to start the day, and I love I love the reading. It really reminds me 
that it's necessary to share <clears throat> to share what we've gotten with other people, and if that that means just going to a meeting and sharing at a meeting, talking to somebody afterwards. Um, and I was reminded the other day I was um, up way up north in Northern California. There wasn't any um, OA meeting, so they I went to an AA meeting, and I heard people with 30, 40 years of sobriety announce themselves as alcoholics. They didn't announce themselves as recovered. They all announced themselves as alcoholics. So I remember, remind myself that I have a disease. Um, and any time I think I can be normal, quote, unquote, whatever that is, I have to remind myself that I walked into this, to these doors again. I was in OA a long time ago. Um, Weighing, um, being five foot tall, not a little over five foot tall, and weighing 115, 215 pounds, and having health issues, and I'm really grateful that um, I've lost a bunch of weight. But that's not the issue. That's not the main thing. That I'm abstinent. I'm working with other people, and that I'm following the the directions that are in the big book. And that's the way to work this program. So with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Gail D. What do you are you next? Good morning. Hi, I'll make a I'll make it quick because I know that we have to close in here. Um, you have plenty soon. of time. Um, you have plenty. Oh, of time. okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the physician had repeatedly tried spiritual means to resolve his alcoholic dilemma, but has failed. But once the broker gave Dr. Silkworth's description of alcoholism and his hopelessness, the physician began to pursue a spiritual remedy for his malady with a willingness he never be, he had never before been able to muster. And um, you know, I was just thinking to my um, to my eating history and um, and thinking about you know like all those beliefs that all that all that stuff that I was doing. Um, you know, basically, I always thought like I was that that religious little girl doing everything that was told and um and but the only thing is that I kept going back into the food and um I kept on pursuing um you know pursuing the food and weight as if that was my problem and losing and gaining and losing and gaining but until I came across someone with who told me about this the fatal nature of this disease that yes I had an allergy of the body and yes I had to 100% avoid all those binge and trigger foods. I had a problem worse than that, and that was my mind. And if I wanted any relief, I must um, work these steps to get rid of that mental obsession so that I could be, I could have relief and I could live in a new world. And I need that willingness. That willingness is a one, it's a one-person job. I had to be um, willing and work on that every single day to do a couple of few few little simple um, acts, sets of, set of actions so that I can live in a new life um, and, and that I can um, be recovered today from my seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. But, you know, willingness is a one-person job, and I had to be willing. No one was able to make me, you know, I had so so often I had sponsors who were trying to do the work for me, and that didn't work until I felt flat on the, my face, and, um, and, and I came to that desperate place that I needed help, and I needed to do whatever, anything, in order to get myself 
free. And so, um, yes, the allergy of the body, that might be a very uh, a bad problem, but I have something worse than that, and that's my mind, and that is why I must tend and work my work this, these steps so that I could get rid of that obsession of mine and be of happy and maximum helpfulness to all those about me. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Hoodie R. We do have actually two more minutes if somebody would like to take that amount of time to close us out today. Press star one. I'd love to hear from you. This is Katrine H. Hi, Katrine. Thank you. I got Katrine first, Ashley. Thanks so much. Go ahead, Katrine. Two minutes for you. Hi, Melanie, and thank you so much for leading today and for everyone who does the meeting. And I have a cold, so my voice is awful. Um, But I just really appreciated listening today to everyone and really appreciated the reading And it is a reminder to me that I do have, um, I'm not ready to work with others yet because I haven't done the steps yet. I'm still in the process of doing the steps, but that I need to do that. I don't just get to sit around after I do that. And um, that um, I'm grateful to be still abstinent since September 17th, which I know sounds very small to some people, but for me it's huge. And... um, the other thing is is that I, uh, it reminds me that I do have an allergy of the body and an obsession of the mind and that the only answer is my higher power and working the steps as they're laid out in the big book. And I'm just grateful for this meeting. Thank you so much, and I'll pass. Thank you, Katrina H. Thank you. And that ends this portion of the recorded part of our meeting. We have more yet to come. Thank you so much to all that shares. We will now finalize this piece by reading from the big book on page 164 and we'll follow that by the serenity prayer Gina R would you please read a vision for you a book is meant to be suggestive only yes thank you for this opportunity to do service our book is meant to be suggestive only we realize we know only a little God will constantly disclose more to you and to us ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then.